Are you ready for the quantum age? Humanity's next step in evolution? Dream Vision 7 Radio Network invites you to the extraordinary platform of evolutionary voices for the quantum age. Let's explore. Learn more about this upcoming age where we bridge science with spirituality. Where potentiality meets reality. Where we take compassion into action. Our trailblazers and visionaries will ask the whys, the what ifs, while igniting continuous possibility. Come along with us into an age beyond what we know today, where we can grow together in unity consciousness. Experience evolutionary voices for the quantum age, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on DreamVision7Radio.com. Welcome to Awakening to True Happiness with modern-day mystic David Hoffmeister, offering you the how-to to spiritual awakening by addressing on a practical level answers to your deepest questions. David Hoffmeister is a world-renowned teacher of A Course in Miracles and has been traveling the world for the past quarter of a century, offering his wisdom to audiences wherever invited. On this show, you'll hear recordings of David's best live talks, inviting you into an experience of deep wisdom and true clarity. To learn more about David, visit his website at davidhoffmeister.com. Awakening to True Happiness with David Hoffmeister is part of Evolutionary Voices for the Quantum Age, heard Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Dreamin' Wild, our Chautauqua movie for the night. This movie is based on a true story in terms of uh, events that unfolded in this uh, family. And, um, and it's a story about uh, two brothers Donnie and Joe Emerson, who basically live a pretty secluded farm life uh, in upstate, it's state of Washington, up in the Pacific Northwest. And they have a beautiful family with some, uh, the brothers, their sisters, the mother and the father, and and they have, they grow up on a, a big 1,700 acre farm in a kind of idyllic farm life where they don't really have, they don't have television, they don't have internet, they don't have uh, even radio um, until their father buys the, the sons who, who are out there on the tractor, you know, plowing the fields and so forth, he, he puts a, a radio at some point in the, in the tractor and they're exposed to music. And of course they love to be out there hearing the music, but it's a very idyllic world because they're not really so much in the ways of the world and society of, of uh, the big cities. So that's our backdrop and I think this is just one of the best healing movies I've seen recently where it comes along at a very nice slow pace and slowly we start to see some of the unconscious fears and doubts coming up, uh, the unconscious darkness, the unconscious shame, uh, things that are just assumed to be true, assumed to be real, 
And then, of course, the mind reacts with with the, the, the anxiety, the fear, the tension. But that's what I think makes this such a healing movie, is it, it just has profound transfer of training value because you can can see it. It kind of shifts back from, it takes place uh, over the span of um, like three decades. So uh, the initial album that, that the two brothers come, and, and Donnie is just 15 when they make this amazing album, and his brother Joe is 17. So they're just teenagers. And their father builds them a, like a recording studio. They call it a practice room. He calls it a practice room out in the woods, like a big uh, cabin where they can record. They get drum sets and recording equipment and microphones and everything that's needed to, uh, to mix, to match, to do all the things to make this great album. And then the album comes out. They, they produce and produce print the album. It's a vinyl album, like a 33 album, like we always, back in the old days, the old 33s. And, and they have some boxes of it. They make, they press and print copies of it, but they, they really don't, they don't get into distribution. And, and our talk in the Chautauqua today was all about the joy of distribution. That This movie you can really see, they could have really used some inspiration for distribution here, because that their album basically is a great album, but it, it doesn't leave the living room very much, <laughs> except when mom sells one to uh, the couple down the road, uh, 15 miles away or something, you know, they just don't have distribution. So basically, uh, the album gets produced in 1979, and then decades later, three decades later, it is, we'll say, discovered. And it's kind of like uh, some of you have seen in the Movie Watcher's Guide to Enlightenment, uh, what's it called, Finding Sugarman? Searching for Sugarman. Searching for Sugarman. It's very similar to that, where Sugarman's just going along with his construction job in Detroit, and unbeknownst to him, his album is a, is a super hit. He's, it's like he's, he's better known than Elvis in South Africa. Even though he's doing his construction job, completely unaware of the popularity of the songs, and and Sugarman had these great songs, very profound lyrics and very good songs, and these are are very catchy and beautiful love songs. But uh, decades later, it's discovered, and and then um, the the character that will come into their lives that will that will say, hey. This album is really good. It's interesting that character in this movie is called Chris. There's a, we have a lot of movies in the Movie Watcher's Guide. Chris is one letter short of Christ. It's actually Christ without the cross, without the T. And so he's going to come. He played uh, Ira in Ira and Abby. Uh, this is him with a little bit longer hair version of coming back uh, into our, our, our scene. But it's really good because you start to, to really see that the title of their album is Dreamin' Wild. And basically, when the mind comes to this world, this world is like dreamland. It's linear dreamland. 
And the pursuit of dreams is encouraged. Uh, Maya Angelou, uh, some of you might remember, um, Martin Luther King had a very famous speech, some of you might have heard, I had a dream, you know. And people are taught basically that it's a good thing to pursue dreams, but we see in this movie that the pursuit of dreams always comes with um, the opposite. Because the, the dreams are made up by the ego, all the dreams, that when you pursue some, uh, then it basically is like getting closer to the underbelly of the guilt and shame in the mind that's underneath even the pursuit of dreams. So, I, I think one of the most poetic uh, lines that Jesus says in A Course in Miracles is, dream softly of your sinless brother. Dream of his kindnesses instead of the hurts he gave. He's encouraging us to dream softly. He also says, like I mentioned earlier, uh, uh, dreams, happy dreams come true, not because they're dreams, but because they're happy. So the happy, happiness is the keynote. You have to find the ha happiness in your mind to have happy dreams. And he says, those are the happy dreams of non-judgment. Non-judgment would mean you don't judge any of the dreams as positive or negative, as better or worse. There aren't dreams more worth pursuing than others. Uh, for many people, that is, that's a pretty big stretch because they'll say, well, David, there's, there is a difference between um, uh, happy ending dreams that I like in my rom-coms, my romantic comedies, and nightmares. There's a big difference between uh, happy outcomes in romantic comedies and nightmares. And Jesus is telling us that, that, that what you call your, your positive dreams uh, are shadows, and your nightmares are dark shadows, and all of your time is spent in dreaming. So the problem is judging the dreams, and even categorizing and breaking them up into the good dreams and the bad dreams is still part of the ego's device to keep itself hidden, to hide in the unconscious mind, and hope that the sleeping mind will just pursue the dreams that it judges good dreams and, and avoid uh, the, the dreams that it calls bad dreams. So it's very good because these two boys, teenagers, uh, Donnie and Joe, 15 and 17, for them, they're having so much fun making the music. And Donnie, the younger son, is kind of like a musical genius. So he's the one that, that can write the songs, spend all night mixing them, producing them. Um, his brother Joe is very simple, but he likes, he's the drummer, like Pete. He's, he's going to show up there and he's going to drum, 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 and he's going to add to the band. But basically, it's a, unlike Rise, it's only a two-person band, two brothers in the woods of Washington and collaborating to make this great music. And the problem comes in, I've talked to so many singer-songwriters in my life, and um, I remember my friend Donna Marie Carey, she was like a conduit for Jesus, and she could 
play the guitar and she had an amazing voice and everything and she she tried to 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 sing and play the guitar for a living and she even found herself singing at bars and all kinds of places and everything but it was hard she said it was really hard to try to make a living at singing and then when she really kind of let go of of the whole thing of singing and music and just said here Jesus I'm giving it back to you you use it for your purposes then think the healing started to happen and I think that's always the key is is that we can't claim ownership of skills abilities no matter how developed they become around art music and many other literature speaking whatever because in the end, it's, it's the identification with the body or the person or the doer that produces all this guilt and shame. And then it's judgments of comparison, of not being good enough, of, of, being, of being great in the ego's judgments, which is uh, delusions of uh, grandiosity, I think Jesus calls it in the Course. <laughs> delusions of grandiosity. Uh, and he he talks more about grandeur is the spirit you that was created by God. So Jesus will contrast grandeur versus grandiosity. Grandiosity is a, a term that most people think of as pride run amok. And grandeur in the true sense is, is the spirit. So in this movie, it's just showing us that that beneath the family self-concept and beneath the concept of being a person in the world and being a dream figure and, and being even in a family, a secluded kind of pretty secluded farm family that lives out in a 1,700-acre farm, there is uh, the dark unconscious thoughts that will, that will have to come up. And we see that with Donnie, there's some kind of anxiety that he seems to have, uh, but he, he kind of has pursued his dream, uh, music dream somewhat, but there's still a lot of thing, unconscious things that need to be coming up for healing. So, Donnie hears about it from his brother, he's so busy, but he does make time to go out there. And then the, the song, the first song we're really hearing is Stranger in a Strange Land. It's like a prophetic song for the whole world that that Jesus says, you know, you feel like a stranger here. He says, you, you feel like an alien from somewhere unknown. You feel like a stranger in a strange land. And it's interesting with this feeling of stranger in a strange land that, that then all that seems to be obvious in perception is that there's a bunch of options about how your life in the world can turn out. Uh, you know, people say, well, you got to make something of yourself. You know, you got to, he, he told his son, you, you know, the son's like, I don't, I don't want to sleep. I, I don't like the nightmares. And he said, you got to dream. You got to dream. And it seems to be in this dreamland world of linear time, you, you have to dream. And it seems that there's many options and many routes many outcomes and possibilities for that. And yet, somewhere all unknown, Jesus says, you feel like a stranger here. 
you have this uncomfortable feeling, this pit in your stomach, this thing in your heart where you just don't get it. You don't understand this world. You don't feel at home in this world and this is a world of dreams and dreamland and it seems like you have to pick your dreams and you have to pick and choose among dreams to make something of yourself. And even with that, Jesus says, yes, you, you came without a self and you made one up as you go along. This is the purpose of the world and dreams. To come without a self and make one as you go along. To invent yourself. This is a world of inventions. I invent. I have invented the world I see, is a workbook lesson. So, and the thing about the inventions is, you can't really make heads or tails of it. Am I doing okay? Am I doing good? Jesus says you can't judge your advances from your retreats. So you can't really, in a, in a dream state like this, you can't really judge success and failure because it's such a deep sense of alienation and the sense of like this isn't right. Something's not right about this place. Something, things never come out completely right and consistently right because it's fictitious. It's a substitute reality. It's not home. It's not reality. So Stranger in a Strange Land is, is the perfect song as he's driving out in his minivan, his, his uh, minivan, he's driving out to explore what is this thing that's going on, this guy who called, talked to my father, now my brother hears about it. He comes out, okay, what is this all about? And he's kind of uh, a little bit surprised to hear about the album, what it's doing. But this, I think this kind of sets up the whole movie is, is that when we come to a dreamland and we come to a dream world, it seems like the underlying goal in dreamland is to fulfill your dreams. But it seems like everyone who seems to fulfill their dreams, even beyond their wildest expectations, gets hit with guilt and fear and, and gets completely lassoed with death. And I was just thinking of a movie I saw in the last couple years, a movie about Elvis. Mm -hmm. Elvis comes out, he's from, from Tennessee, he's handsome, he's got a voice like people haven't heard, and then he starts swiveling his hips. <laughs> and I'm telling you, people are screaming over in the United States like they were screaming when the Beatles first came out, the Feb Four, they were like screaming hysterically, so, and then this, the, the Colonel Parker sees him and thinks, oh, I can make a lot of money off of this kid, and then it, it kind of goes on, and it goes on into um, drug addiction, obesity, loneliness, isolation, sound familiar? Marilyn Monroe, little girl dreams, Grows up out in Hollywood, dreams of being a movie star. Oh, she goes beyond a movie star. She becomes like an icon of sex appeal with the President of the United States lusting after her, with married to the, some of the most famous 
men, Joe DiMaggio, Arthur Miller, playwright. And, and then, you know, when, we, when I show Marilyn Monroe, we show where it goes. The, the, the drugs, the, the suicidal thoughts, the, the betrayal feelings with the Kennedy brothers. You know, I've done a couple different movies. I've also shown the movie Whitney. Remember Whitney Houston? Grows up. Christian family singing in church, singing for the Lord, can't stop singing for the Lord, and oh Lord, does she have a voice. If Marilyn had a body, if, if Elvis had a body and a voice, look at Whitney, oh, look at that voice. And then if you follow the story along, what happens? The dreams never get fulfilled. As I was sharing earlier, this is a place that Jesus tells us in Lesson 300, all those who come here, come, are subjected to uh, suffering and death. That's like status quo. Choose dreamland, choose suffering and death, until you choose fulfillment. But fulfillment of dreams is not what the ego makes it out. The ego is saying, Oh, here, my pretty, come here and try this dream. Try the Elvis dream. Ooh, look, ooh, 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 ooh. Oh. Uh, try the Marilyn Monroe. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Oh. Whitney, ooh, 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 I will always love you, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, you have to start to peel back the curtain a little bit and go, hmm, maybe this should teach me something. Maybe dreamland isn't what I thought it was. And maybe the fulfillment of dreams sounds good, but maybe the fulfillment of dreams is forgiveness, is their release, is their non-judgment of, of seeing the falsity of them and seeing, like the Bible said, hold no graven images before the Lord thy God. What if the dreams are the graven images that we were told in the Bible not to hold before the Lord thy God? What if the I am presence, spirit, is what it's all really about, what it's always, always been about, what it will forever be about? It's, it's about God, and it's about Christ, and it's about identity. And so, for me, as I'm watching this movie now for the second time, I'm paying attention and hearing, you know, I'm hearing that song. I didn't hear the lyrics the first time I watched the movie to that song, Stranger in a Strange Land. But that's like a prophecy for all of us, you know, to start to realize that, that you can't look for salvation in the dreams. You have to look within yourself to the one who transcended the dreams. And, and give thanks for that, that you can accept that. You know, as, as Jesus says in the workbook of the Course, salvation of the world depends on me, not the personality me, but the, the mind me. <laughs> not the mini me, but the mind me. The mind, if it made them up and had the power to make them up, it has, must have the power to give them up, to release them, to unmake them. And that's what I feel like, that's, that's such a strong call now. And as we could see, they, they, the parents gave the story, oh, distribution, yeah. Yeah, I just, the mom, she's so sweet, I just sold three copies this past week. 
<laughs> this is 30 years after the album's been out. You imagine having a great album, you have a great collaboration, you have a great swirl. And it's not so much about the form, obviously, of distribution or selling books or selling albums or whatever, but, but when Jesus says, ideas increase by being given away, think of that in terms of albums, record albums and books. Ideas increase in strength by being given away. That's what was going on in the book fair. There was a giving away of ideas at the mind level. And you could feel the vibrancy of that. And that's the vibrancy, that's why we share what we share. That's why we have used the internet. That's why we use gatherings and concerts and, and six-week uh, mystery or Mallorcas and mystery schools and everything that we've done is just an opportunity to teach what you would learn and strengthen the ideas in mind. And really that's, that's I think, a version of teach only love for that is what you are, is a version of the Bible. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. If you teach only the thoughts of God and you teach them consistently, then you, and you're teaching yourself, it's your own mind, just teaching, teaching what it would learn over and over, thoughts of love, thoughts of love, then eventually it must result in, in purity. It must result in my mind holds only what I think with God. It must result in I have no life apart from my source. I am an idea in the mind of God and that's a fact. And, and it's better to humbly admit the fact that I am an idea in the mind of God than to go play the pretend game of dream, 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 you know. Sweet dreams made of these, who am I to disagree? Travel the world and the seven seas, everybody's looking for something. Oh, that's it. Everybody's looking for something. Everybody's looking to fulfill a dream. I'm sure Elvis was, I'm sure Whitney was, I'm sure Marilyn was, you know, but, but they can be examples to us. We can hear the spirit behind them now saying, don't fall for it. I tried, I tried it on my own. I tried it to have a will apart from God. I tried to make an identity in dreams that would satisfy me and it didn't. Don't make the same mistake. <laughs> Everyone who comes, comes to suffer and die. But there is an alternative. I remember when I was in uh, graduate school, I, uh, first in undergrad, I remember talking to my colleagues in, uh, I think I was in urban planning and everybody was talking about what they were going to do and what their career goals and everything. And, and I, I said something like, I don't, it doesn't sound appealing. And they said, what do you mean? And I said, well, I don't know, nothing in the future really appeals to me. And they said, what do you mean? What are you talking about? That's, uh, that's terrible. What do you mean? The future doesn't sound appealing. And I said, I don't know. And, and they said, you should, you need a plan. You need, you need to, you need to have something in the future to focus on. And I said, what? And they said, I don't know. Get, get a partner, get, get a mortgage, uh, get, 
get a life. And I said, what is a life? And then they described what they believed was a life, but the life was more dreams. And I'd, something in me was like, I said, and it still doesn't sound appealing. And they said, what do you mean? I said, grow old, get sick and die? That, that actually doesn't sound appealing. And they were like, but everybody has to do that, you know? And I said, I don't know. I don't think, I don't, for example, I don't think Jesus was really teaching that. I don't think that's what he was teaching. I don't think that's where he was coming from. And, and they would say, oh, just come on, get a mortgage, you know, <laughs> get, get in debt. They don't <laughs> get in debt. Even that didn't sound really appealing, in debt. It's the sound of it, in debt, go in debt. I said, no, I don't, I don't. And then what? Get, grow old, get sick and die. Oh, that's really appealing. Get in debt, grow old, get sick and Maybe you pay off your mortgage, yeah, and then grow old, get sick, and you know, it's, it did not sound appealing. So I think we have to start, this movie is so good for starting to see that, uh, that, that we are dreaming, we have to acknowledge that, but we do seem to have a choice of the purpose that we give to the dream. And if we have a choice of that, and we can choose to see it differently and not judge it, and see it with different eyes, with a different perspective, then why wouldn't we want to devote every second <laughs> to that purpose, if that is, is an alternative, if there really is a real alternative? Why wouldn't you give your heart to jump out of bed in the morning and say, Here I am, Lord! Have your way with me! Have your way with me! I don't care what it is. I'm not going to judge the form. Today I will judge nothing that occurs, just let me shine my light. I want nothing more than to shine. And I think that every circumstance, every situation really has no meaning, intrinsic meaning, because there is no situation that exists in and of itself apart from the whole. That all we're doing is perceiving the world and it's totally quantum, it's totally connected, but it's just what we interpret in the situations is the meaning that we give to them. And it's all based on the past. And Jesus is just saying, give it up. You never knew what any circumstance ever meant in this world. Like the first lesson of the Course, nothing I see means anything. Second lesson, I've given everything I see all the meaning it has for me. He's, this is a literal thing. This is not symbolic. This is a literal thing. So you look at here and you see, we see Joe and we see Matt and we see Donnie coming out to the practice place, the place that the dad built so that they could go out there. And you can see it in Joe's eyes. Joe's like saying, yeah, it's like coming, it's like a church. And we already saw he still lives on or near the farm in his own little house. And you saw that little chapel that he goes and visits to pray and light candles. And then I don't know if you saw in his house when he went back to his house, but there was the saints on the walls. Here's Joe, and he's deeply spiritual, religious, and, and he's saying, he's coming back to the, to the the practice place for the first time, and he's telling Matt, yeah, it's like, it's like coming to church. 
because that's what, for him, the, the connectedness of jamming together, of playing together, of making music together, he equates with church. He equates with, with the spiritual, with the divine. Isn't that beautiful? Because everything we experience, we experience through the filter of our mind. And that's beautiful for a symbol. And then Matt's coming and going, so this is the place. Oh, it seems special. And, you know, because he's caught up in the whole album and the discovery of the album and this lost album that now is coming out. And he's, that's his function in life is to bring things out that, that have been lost or, or passed by. And then if you look at Donnie's face, though, you can see there's a lot of memories. There's a lot of mixed memories. And that's the conflict that we experience in life, in relationships, in community, in every situation that we experience, we're simply experiencing our mind, what our mind is thinking and believing. That's why Jesus says in the workbook, everything I think and say and do teaches all the universe. It's like we're, our mind is broadcasting a world down to the minute detail of everything we perceive. It's all there by our own election. It's all there by seeming choice, choice among preferences and illusions. Not a real choice, but it's, it's all there by, by an election. That's why there are no victims, there, are, there is no abuse. How can there be abuse if, if we're just perceiving what we believe? And we're getting exactly what we're asking for. You know, he's like telling us, you know, what you believe is what you perceive. Every thought you hold that, that, that God didn't create, you see witness to. My thoughts are images I have made. So it's just like a, the mind stuck into believing something that's not real and true, and then you, when we move towards the divine, we start to see things as holy. We start to feel things as holy, like it looks like Joe is really feeling the holiness of, of the situation as he's going back in there, making a joke about the mouse <laughs> in, the, in the control room, you know, he's, he's there. And I think more than ever, it's like, for Joe, I think he's just living a prayer, very simple, prayerful life, and, you, and he's showing us <laughs> the cats are having fun here. <laughs> Their own game of, of play. But, but Joe is really showing us that I think he's seeing what's unfolding as, as a golden opportunity. You know, he's probably thinking, I get to be connected in that same energy with my brother again. My brother went off, got married, his children's living closer to the city. He's still there on the farm with his simple life, going to his little chapel and praying, and he's probably thinking, wow, what an opportunity. And when we look at the world through that perception of seeing everything, every day, as opportunities to connect, to extend. You know, we had a little thing here, it was just a bunch of wee, a swirl of energy tonight, with cats and people and food and and Kirsten positioning herself over by the door so she could hug everybody, and Lisa doing her speed dating thing. Oh, oh, 
ho, 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 because it was a big swirl. But, but really, it's, you have to see the world as an opportunity to connect and to extend and to be in the love. And, and Joe is, I think he's, he's doing that now. You know, he's probably thinking like, thank you for this opportunity. Whatever, with this album, you're bringing my brother back into my life. You're stirring up all these great memories. Of, he just said, this place is like church. And now it's coming back to him as more opportunities for church. So he's excited. And I think it's so cool to think that that's just our choice in our mind. We can choose to have that perspective on everything and everyone. That this is, this is church. This is holiness. This is expansiveness time. This is opportunity to remember God's will for me time. This is, this is a miracle. This moment is your miracle. <laughs> And, it's, and I, I, can, I can feel it with Joe here. He's kind of like in, in that mindset. This moment is my miracle. Like, here, I can't believe I'm back in the woods and with my brother and with this guy, Matt. And oh my gosh, you know, pinch me. Is this really happening? Kind of wonderful thing. And, it's, and that's just a beautiful... Uh, the way they're showing little bits and pieces of the little chapel and, and then the picture on the wall in Joe's house and everything, you can see. And then him praying. He's praying for connection. He's praying for connection with his, with his brothers, his sisters, his family, and, and Donnie. He's not been seeing Donnie that much. And, and this, is, this is like a healing moment. And he's like excited about it. Yeah. Man of faith. There's like the Jesus talk. Focus your mind. Work hard at it. You have a gift. And I'm counting on you to use your gift. And why don't you write your own songs? It's fun to sing others, but why don't you... It's like he's just calling them to pull forth with their, their gift, their, their creative gift, and let it come out. So it's, it's really beautiful, and you can see that... Um, that it's like you have to go fully into it. You, it's, it's enough when you start off and you collaborate and all this amazing music comes through and you feel this like it's a church, like it's reverent and it's everything beautiful. And then, you know, he was talking to, uh, to uh, one of them, I don't know if it's maybe Matt or whatever. We go through all that and then, and then we made the album and then they didn't like it. And it's, it's interesting if you get caught into an, an assumption that somebody doesn't like something, but you, really it's not for us to judge whether people like it or not, it's to give it away. We have to distribute, we have to give it away. We have to take that extra step. We can't, what did they say in the Bible, don't hide your light under a bushel. And, and even the things we talk about, like with marketing and distribution and everything, you have to remember that it's not really marketing as the world sees marketing or distribution as the world sees it. It's, it's just following your joy and, and letting the Spirit do it through you. Because I think that, that can be a, a hindrance. I remember when Francis and I were over in Europe and we were, we were renting a, a, a center over there, uh, started a center in Spain. 
And then we had a couple people that came. One of them was a man named Sam Adams, Samuel Adams. And, and uh, he took a walk with me one day and I said, I hear you've got all kinds of marketing skills, internet skills, SEO skills. He said, yeah, and yeah, I'm, I'm through with all that. I said, well, you're through with it. And he said, well, you know, marketing is totally ego. And if you believe that, that's what it will be for you. If that's, if that's the extent of your <coughs> opening, if you just think of it, marketing as an egoic enterprise of buying and selling and, and supply and demand and fulfilling demands and orders and this and this. But if you start to see that everything that the ego made in the world can be used by the Spirit for the extension of true ideas, and remember, he said, ideas are strengthened by being given away. So underneath evangelism, that's, if you bring it all the way back to the core idea, it's that ideas are strengthened by being given away. And, and actually that's how Christ was created. Christ is an idea in the mind of God that was extended and given away. And so everything that involves extension of true ideas is in alignment with the original, and the, really the only creation that there is, is spiritual light extending. In heaven, that's all there is. There aren't, there aren't bodies, there's no supply and demand, there's no networking, there's, there's no making business cards in heaven, there's none of that. But, it's, but, but within the realm of time and space, this is the opportunity to shine the light with whatever's given. And whatever is given will flow easily and freely. It won't seem like a job, it won't seem like work. It never seems like work. Here comes Isa, <laughs> finding a nice lap to sleep on now. But to me, that's, that's like you have, a, you have this beautiful heart song. What was the, the Penguin movie? You have to sing your heart song? Happy Feet, yeah. Everyone's got a heart song that has to come out. And the heart song is the extending. And it doesn't really matter the form, it's just whatever's given, you know. And we can see there, you know, the boxes piling up in the, the basement and the things like that. You can see all the love and care that went into the album, all the collaborations, the joy, and then the making of the album and pre pressing it. And then, and then there it sat, you know, a few here, a few there. But, um, and it looks like Donnie persisted in, in some of his music aspirations, but with, but with a bit of disappointment. And whenever we don't follow our heart and get into the full, fullness of giving, the fullness of give it all away, that's the first lesson of the Holy Spirit. I just read that on the live today, to have, give, all to all. He said, this is probably the most difficult of the three lessons. And it's the only one that, that involves you uh, like playing, playing your part. Like you're going you're gonna to have to give this, you know. You're going to have to give this to get over the first lesson and make it to number two and three. This one does involve you. I mean, to have give all to all, that goes against everything we've ever learned in this world, you know, save for a rainy day and... Uh, don't give too much, 
you'll regret it in the future. You won't have anything. If you give too much, you won't have anything left for yourself. All the things we've heard our entire life are, are challenged in the first lesson of the Holy Spirit, to have, give all to all. Uh, I like that part too because there was one part in the special holy relationship sections, 15 to 24, where Jesus is saying, under the Holy Spirit's teaching, every relationship is a total commitment. Every relationship is a total commitment. And yet they do not conflict with each other in any way. That sounds to me like to have, give all to all. Under the Holy Spirit's teaching, every relationship is a total commitment. That, we weren't taught that either. We were taught hierarchies of commitment. We were, talk, we were taught that you got mom and dad and you might have children and family and then you have your mailman, your post deliverer and your, and your auto mechanic and your, your minister and, uh, and your neighbors and this and this and then put them in a nice hierarchy of arrangements with the most important ones and the least important ones. You know, I remember when I made scrapbooks when I was in school young, they would say, they would have little slots for photographs, fill it in your best friend and your second best friend, your third best friend. And I thought, now I look back and I go, what programming? What the hell? Trying to make a hierarchy of friends and put photos in the little scrapbook. They're just trying to, but that's just all reflections of the ego belief system. Now, nowadays, it's they call it besties, right? What's, I, I can't have to keep up with the language, besties. Is that right? Is it bestie? Besties. Still the same old thing like little David at six years old had to face it. Now it's besties. But it's to have, give all to all, and, and that every relationship under the Holy Spirit's teaching is a total commitment. And yet they do not conflict with each other in any way. That sounds like what I was talking about earlier, about how only the levels of the, the, the Trinity do not conflict. It's only the levels of the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, have, it seems like three, but it's really three and one, because in heaven there's just one. It just appears as three. But in the end, you know, it's not like it's a meeting of three. Its spirit is eternal. It's just one, one spirit, one life, one mind. So, so it's beautiful to, to see it because, I mean, I like to watch the characters because you can really, they, you can see it on their faces. Uh, in this movie, Donnie is, he's, at times he lets his happiness out, but at times he's a, he's a bit um, conflicted. Almost like he's sitting on a bunch of memories and this whole, album coming out three decades later is now his mind, our mind, giving itself permission to unpack some uh, assumptions and beliefs that have been buried down there. And isn't that what it, everything is? Isn't that what spiritual community is? Isn't that what every day is? Today we had to unpack any unconscious beliefs about rain and fog and feeling like we're living in, what did we have? We were in tropical rainforest in uh, Hawaii. That's the kind of, these are the kind of days we would have 
in Hawaii, but we're just not used to it, raining all day long and heavy cloud cover. And, uh, and Jason was talking to me saying, we're not producing any uh, in energy over there. <laughs> not with a day like today. We're, we're, we're spending more than we're taking in. And I said, it may change tomorrow, but we, isn't it fun? We have to wait and see. <laughs> we just have to wait and see. <laughs> Zach's been doing solar measurements. It's like, okay, <laughs> we're going down. Rainy, foggy day and everything. Not very atypical, but, but everything's only happening for us to unpack uh, our belief system. You know, that's all it's for. It has no other reason. Imagine if it was just like it was today for the next 10 years. <laughs> Unpack your, everybody's beliefs about, about Lake Chapala would be, <laughs> Chapala Lake area would be like. <laughs> so it's just everything is for the undoing of false beliefs. And when you start to see it that way, then your, your, your mind is on the ready. For, for the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's go for it. Lisa's checking her, her clock like, oh, how, how long? <laughs> so, yeah, he's thinking back to 15 years ago when the, this, this particular song, don't go loving somebody else. Don't you know how much I need you? You know, it's a song about specialness. He's, he hit the specialness route back when he's writing the songs back when he was 15, and now, three decades later, it's still the thing that's coming up. It's the root. It's the it's the root of specialness. It's the it's and this time it's last time it was like you got to keep a steady steady pace. You got to keep it up. You got to keep it steady. And and Joe's doing his expression session. I keep getting tripped up with that. Loving nobody, don't go loving nobody else. Don't, don't pay attention to that. Just keep the, keep the steady pace. It's hard for us to keep a steady pace in our mind when we have the root of specialness rearing its head up. Even though it was an old special song. And then three decades later, they're, they're trying to practice now to do the concert, and here it comes again. It's tripping them up. And he's basically like saying, we can't do this anymore, we can't play the old songs, we have to play the new songs. But the whole context of the whole album coming and planning to, to play together and everything was under, play a couple of the songs from the album and then shake hands. And that's part of the, the business of deal. that's part of the arrangement. So it goes all the way back to, to uh, you know, his, his father said, you know, play your own songs and, and give your gift away and everything. But, but the only thing that keeps us from giving our gift away, the only thing that ever brings up any discomfort around Jesus or dis, uh, uh, embarrassment. Some people have, have told me, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed by Jesus still to this day. And, and, the only reason there's embarrassment in the mind around Jesus is, is specialness, because there's guilt with specialness. 
it's, it's what made the dreams. It's what made every set this whole time and space thing in motion was specialness. It's like love doesn't make the world go around, it's guilt. <laughs> guilt makes the world go around. And, and here, three decades later, they're going back and practicing some of these songs and he's just having all these flashbacks. Like he's staring at his younger self going, wow, there you are just trying to make it through the day and, and, and find your way. And here he is all these decades later, the same things that disturbed him and bothered him are still coming up. And, and that's because guilt and these false beliefs, they perpetuate the belief in the linear dreams. It's in the mind. The, the world is just a projection of what's believed in. That's why the whole healing is undoing of specialness. You can't hold on to a little specialness and, and open to the kingdom of heaven. You don't get through the pearly gates. <laughs> okay, here we are. Are you ready? Do you have anything with you? Any? I got a little specialness in the pocket here. That's all right, right? I can come in and enter. No. Jesus said, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, and I will say, I know you not. Depart from me. People don't like that. I'm from the Bible. Lord, Lord, and I know you not. Depart from me. All he's saying is, we're the same one. I only know the Christ. God only knows Christ. God only knows love. He's not telling us to depart. We're departing by trying to bring the little sliver of specialness <laughs> into the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. We're doing it. We did the departing, the, the departing belief. <laughs> you know, there's a part in Genesis where basically God tells Adam and Eve, you know, you know, there's one thing you can't do, just, just don't eat from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, it says in the Bible. And, and then and they do, <laughs> and then they get, they get expelled from the garden of paradise and everything. But, but in the Course of Miracles, Jesus goes back and addresses that part of the Bible. His, he says in, about that Genesis part, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God would never put you in such a position. Oh, it wasn't God that put a tree of duality there and said, don't eat from the tree. It, it's, it's the mind that believes in the ego that generated the tree of good and, good and evil. And then the whole story about the apple and, and the fall from grace and everything is like, well, actually God had nothing to do with any of it. <laughs> Whoa, let's take God off the hook. Atheists unite. That's right. Let's all come together, all you atheists that they're like that damn God that put that damn tree in the garden. Everything was good in the garden until that damn tree appeared. And then don't eat from the tree the knowledge of good and evil. God knows nothing of trees of knowledge of good and evil. You know, that's just duality. And God is a God of oneness. So in the end, that's part of the forgiveness is starting to realize, let's take God off the hook here because actually God's not to blame. And then actually, ultimately, no one is to blame because it's the fall from grace is impossible. 
So that's the, that's the good news. That's why we have to extend this in so many ways. This is really good news. That's why when Jeffrey takes this, this stuff in movies and all these teachings into the prisons, they're just eating it up. Wow, that's a captive audience, you know. They're just like, bring some more books. Okay, movies, movie watchers, guide to enlightenment, bring her on in here. Now that's rehabilitation. I read a couple of months ago that they're planning on building billion dollar, multi-billion dollar prisons, high-tech prisons for the future, where they can hold more prisoners uh, and everything like this. That's, that just doesn't seem like the best use of funds. We have, we have a, a better use of funds, which is shine the light and tell people that you're innocent. You know, what, what better way of rehabilitating the mind than by extending the message of love and innocence? <laughs> you know, isn't that what everyone wants to hear anyway? Regardless of the form and the circumstances and everything, so. Okay, we're, we're cruising here. We're getting, <laughs> we're getting, slowly getting into this. Thank you for listening to this edition of Awakening to True Happiness with modern-day mystic David Hoffmeister. You can access more of David's teachings by visiting his website at davidhoffmeister.com. Tune in to David again next week on Evolutionary Voices for the Quantum Age, heard Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on the Dream Vision 7 radio network. <laughs>